some of the most important words ever uttered, ever written down, are found in the book by the Apostle Paul to the Romans. I'm going to turn today to start to Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 and onwards. And if you've got a Bible, please read along with me. Romans 3, 23 and onwards. It says, for all have sinned. All have sinned. That's you and me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. We're going to talk about those verses today and lots of other verses. We're going to talk today about hope for the worst of sinners. We're going to talk about how you and I, just regular people, can be saved in the kingdom of God. But firstly, before we get into it, we're going to have a prayer together. Ask God to help us to understand this subject. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day here in Southern California. We thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray that you will open our minds today, open our spiritual eyes and give us the supernatural capacity to understand the will of God and the truth of the gospel. We worship you, we bless you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a little bit of, of history. I was brought up in a town in Australia. They don't call it a town anymore. In those days, it was a town, like a big country town, the capital of Queensland in Australia, Brisbane. My mother joined the church when I was five years of age. I can remember it. I can remember going to the Brisbane Town Hall and hearing the choir sing. Didn't understand much of it, but that's when my mother became officially a member of the church. My teenage years that followed some years later were rather tumultuous because I was a rebellious teenager. I got lots of religion in my home. It was the religion of do, 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 cock-a-doodle-do. It was mainly not just do, but don't do. So I was brought up in this legalistic system. To balance things out, there were bitter religions over religion in my home. My mother was a fierce Protestant and my father was a fierce Roman Catholic. It was enough to put a person off religion forever. Before I turned 17, I was 16 and 10 months or something, I went to Avondale College, a little college north of Sydney. And there I heard a preacher speak about the God-filled blank. He said, in every person there's a blank. 
And he said, there's someone sitting here today in the chapel and inside you there's a big hollow, there's a big blank. I said, how does he know? But then he talked about Christ dying for our sins and the light was turned on. Years later when I was in my early 40s, I became the pastor of the biggest church on the North Shore of Sydney at the Sydney Adventist Hospital. One night, I think about 4 o'clock, 2 or 4 in the morning, there was a banging on the window. So I said, come round to the front door. There was a young man. He said, I can't sleep. He was a member of my church, strong member of my church. He said, I, I can't sleep. I said, why can't you sleep? He said, I can't sleep because I'm not perfect enough. He said, I'm up I can't get to bed. He said, I'm, I'm praying all day long, praying all night long. I'm reading my Bible and I'm not good enough to be saved. I wish I'd been more successful in explaining to him the gospel that is supernaturally revealed because some months later he said, I can't do it. And he went out and committed suicide. So don't tell me this is a matter of small consequences. Now, the, the truth of the matter is no one is good enough, the religious and the non-religious. And the topic is good news for sinners like you and me, or I should say like me and like you. And the gospel is plainly revealed in these verses today. And for some of you, it's going to be an awful struggle until the light comes on. Now, last time we spoke about Romans chapter 1, which is the non-religious world, but today the religious world. And the Bible says just as the non-religious world is lost, so is the religious world. But God has a plan and the plan is the gospel of Christ. Now come to Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. I don't know how far we're going to get through this today because this is trying to uh, compress the ocean into a thimble. Romans 2 and verse 1. Now Romans 1 is about the terrible sins of the pagan Gentile Roman world. Romans 2 verse 1. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge for on whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same, thing, same sins. Now, listen carefully to this, because I, I don't apologize that we're dealing here with the Bible. Romans 1 is about the sins of the, of the non-church, the sins of the Roman world. But Romans 2 is the sins of the religious world. No wonder that people don't like to read this stuff. The theme of Romans 1 is this. It's pagan, it's heathen, it's anti-God, it's anti-Jesus, it's anti-Ten Commandments, it's anti-the law of God, which is a perfect description today of America and our present world. And in America, we sweeten, sweeten it up a little bit by telling everybody, in spite of all these dreadful things that are happening, everybody's going to be saved and go to heaven. Have you ever been to a funeral where the person hasn't gone to heaven? <laughs> of course not. 
Everybody goes to heaven. As the President of the United States said some time back, he said, talking about a rather bad man, a criminal who was murdered, he said, well, thank God he's he's in heaven now. And he's looking down and rejoicing at the stock exchange and our great, great economy. But, of course, the Bible doesn't teach this. The Bible teaches that the only way you can go to heaven is through the new birth. John chapter 3 and verses 2 and 3. These are the words of our Lord. This man came to Jesus by night, said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the Bible says, unless we have a supernatural experience through the gospel of Christ, we will not see the kingdom of God in spite of what the President of the United States said because he didn't have a clue what he was talking about on that occasion. Now notice Romans 2 and verses 2 and 3. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? So he's saying to the the religious people, as we're going to see, if you live like the pagans, you're going to perish like the pagans, even though you've got your name on the church roll. Romans 2, verses 4 and 5. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, but in accordance with your hard-heartedness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now, the Bible, listen to me, the Bible talks about the righteousness of God. The Bible talks about the righteous judgment of God and the Bible talks about the wrath of God. I can take you to some great churches here in Southern California where the doctrine of the righteousness of God and the wrath of God are anathema. But the Bible talks about the righteousness of God. Do you think God is a big cuddly teddy bear? God is a loving God, but God is a righteous God. And God has wrath. You say, I don't believe it. Well, I'm sorry. You don't believe the Bible. When I was a boy going through college, I got my fees by selling books from door to door. I was what they called a literature evangelist or a colporter selling books. I did it for a total of about 18 months. So did Beverly. In those days, no scholarships. Blood, sweat and tears. (laughs) I can remember talking to one man at the door, uh, an Australian, uh, one would say almost a typical Australian, because he said, when I die, I go six feet under and that's the end of me. So I told him, my friend, it's not the end of you at all. It's the beginning of you because it's accounted unto men. It's appointed unto men once to die 
And after this, the judgment. That's the teaching of Scripture. So death is not the end. My father was an angry Roman Catholic. He was brought up on a good diet of Roman Catholicism with an eternally burning hell and a God who's mad with sinners and purgatory thrown in. So he was terrified almost all his life until he heard not good advice and not the prosperity gospel, but he heard the good news. He came to the Byron Bay camp and in the grace of God, I preached at that camp and I preached the gospel. And my father discovered the gospel. And the gospel is not all about you. It's all about God. I told him, Christ has borne your sin. Christ has borne your judgment. He has suffered, Dad, your penalty. And there was a great change in his life. I told him Christ was treated as we deserve, that we might be treated as he deserves. Away with this legalism. Look at Romans 2, 6 to 8. I don't know how far I'm going to get today, but I'm not too worried. Romans chapter 2, 6 to 8. It says, who will render to each one according to his deeds? Oh, I thought everybody goes to heaven. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honour and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. Goodness me. Indignation and wrath. I remember having a meal with Pastor Valino Salazar, a leader of the church in Southern California, and he said to me, we should never forget that the recorder, the tape recorder, is running 24-7, every second. And there is a judgment day. And the Bible says... We will be judged. Oh, no, people say there is no judgment. Hallelujah. We got rid of the judgment. You may have got rid of your silly ideas, but you didn't get rid of God's good ideas. The Bible teaches there is a judgment, and I will be judged according to my works, the Bible says. Saved by grace, judged by works. No, 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 you say, well, read the book of Romans. Would you please, would you please do this? Romans 2, verses 9 to 11. Romans 2, 9 to 11. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. The Greek means any person who's not a Jew. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, uh, to the Gentile. For there is no partiality with God. Now, I want you to know this today and may it sink down into your minds that God has no favorites. The Bible says God is not partial to the Jews. He's not partial to the Gentiles. He's not partial 
to the Americans and the Australians and so forth. God has no special nation. Oh, but that goes against everything that is taught, almost everything everything that is taught on most religious television in America, that God has got favourite nations. And we happen to be the favourite nation. That's a deception and a delusion. God has got his people among the Israelis and the Americans and the Australians and the British and the Latinos and the Africans and the Chinese and the Russians. God has got no special nation. Israel is not God's special nation. If you believe that, it's racism. Some people say, no, no, Israel, that's, that's the chosen nation. No, God's got a chosen nation. God's people in every nation. See, I'm totally opposed to every bit of racism. I believe that God has got his people in every nation. Those who belong to him, we are all equal before God, all accountable to God. It doesn't matter who you are. Look at Romans 2, 12 to 13. Romans 2, 12 to 13. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified or declared righteous. You say, this is total righteousness by works. Well, you better stay with this program so you get the good news. But the Bible tells us we are going to be judged by our works and we're going to be judged by the law of God. If anybody tells you anything different, he's telling you lies. We are all equal before God. In the final judgment, our race will not save us. Our religion will not save us. We are judged by the law of God. We were all uh, horrified by the terrible murder in South Carolina where that man was convicted of murdering his own wife and his own son. Later on, they had a, he had a telephone conversation. They listened to the uh, telephone conversation. He has zero remorse. And he's going to appeal it. Let me tell you something. You can have an appeal in America and in most civilized countries, but you can't appeal the judgment of Almighty God. Everything we have done is going to come up in the judgment. You say, I don't believe this. Well, that doesn't concern me very much because I'm concerned with the Bible. There's no higher court than God. Romans 2 verse 16. Look at verse 16. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, every one of us will stand in the judgment of God and he'll judge the secrets, the things that you've hidden. You can hide it from the IRS, but you can't hide it from God. Romans 2, 17 and 18. Indeed, you are called a Jew. You can see now, this chapter is about the Jews. Indeed, you are called a Jew. 
and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law. Romans 1, the pagan Romans. Romans 2, the greatest religionists the world had ever seen, the Jewish nation. He says, you are the people who make your boast in the law, but you don't keep the law. I want you to know this. Religion without grace cannot save. Only Jesus saves. The Jewish people in the days of Christ and the days of the apostle Paul were the most self-righteous people in all the world and they looked down on others and they ended up in trying to become perfect, they crucified the Lord of glory. Bad religion is the biggest curse the world has ever seen. Have you got it? Romans 2, 21, he goes on. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? They had heaps of religious teachers. They had a big religious hierarchy. They talked the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. You know the story of the woman taken in adultery. And then the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders, got around her and they were going to stone her. They said to Jesus, what about it? He said, let the person who is without sin, let him first cast a stone. Then he got down and he wrote in the dust. You know what he wrote in the dust? The secrets of their filthy lives. Because the religious leaders who wanted to stone her had led her into sin. Some of the biggest hypocrites who've ever lived have been religious leaders. They had the Holy Scriptures, the Ten Commandments. They had the traditions. They had the temple. They had a big business selling pardon for sins. There's a story told about an old locomotive. Look good. Big steam engine. That's the one that I love. I love steam engines. You know. Pull the bell, pull the whistle. Well, the big steam engine was broken down. It wouldn't go anywhere. So they checked the wheels. They checked the big pistons. That's sort of dumb, I think, because they checked everywhere, but they didn't check where the fire was supposed to be because you've got to have fire to get the water to boil before you get the steam. But an old Indian chief got up there <laughs> he got up there in the cabin and he cried out to these white people who were checking everything. He said, no fire inside. That's the problem with much of religion today. It's as dead as dead can be because it's got no fire inside. Religion without the Holy Spirit, no grace, no love, no power, that's the religion of the Dark Ages. I could tell you stories about uh, the papacy in the Dark Ages, the Borgias, I hope I'm saying it right, the popes, big Spanish family ruling from the Vatican, famous for adultery, incest, torture, murder, man-made religion, but no fire inside. I find today that most religion that I see in the world is like that old mo locomotive. It's polished up, no fire inside. Look at Romans 2, 24 to 25. 
He says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, but if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcised because of the sins of the religious people who are talking and talking and sinning and sinning, the name of God is blasphemed. What is the solution? Not more. Not more Pharisees. Not more hot air religion. But the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ. Romans 2, 28, 29. I think I'm on time. I'm doing all right. I'm leaving some stuff out now. <laughs> Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Those people who count other people who've got fire inside. So Romans 1 the pagan world is lost. Number two, in Romans, the religious world is lost. So in the name of God, what hope is there for you and for me? Now that's the next part of the talk when we get into Romans 3 that some say is the greatest chapter that's ever been given. The greatest, the greatest solution, the only solution is the precious blood of Jesus that gives us fire inside. Stay with us. The best is still to come. Christ gives us clarity. When all around us is in ruins, we can rebuild our lives on the promises of God. The new Carter Report and Hope TV Media Center has risen up from the ashes. The van is loaded with medical supplies, food and water, then driven by courageous Christians into places of danger. With a cheerful heart, they deliver hope to weary souls. And because of you, faithful followers of Christ, Ukrainians have been given a new song to sing. It is up and running. We are witnessing a miracle. We are committed to keeping it operating and expanding. God is not done here. Let us follow him. With your financial help, we can heal the Ukraine. Spiritual programs will be made. Supplies will be driven to those in need and new songs to the Lord will rise from the rubble. God can take any gift and multiply it to bless the Ukrainian people. Let us not forget them. Pray that the Ukraine will be restored and pray that the peace of God will prevail. Diakoyu, thank you. Your gifts can be sent to the address on the screen or visit our website. God bless you 
and thank you for being a part of the Carter Report family. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.